Hey, good morning, Grace Point. It's good to be with you. My name is Bob. It's my honor and my privilege to serve here at Grace Point as one of the associate pastors. Those uh, pictures that you saw were from last week's Summer Jam. Old schoolers would call it vacation Bible school. And I had the honor of serving with those guys. I had a group of fourth and fifth grade boys and I double dog dared them to get me wet. And they did every day. There wasn't a dry, a dry piece of fabric left on me. Wasn't it great? Yeah, and Pastor Mark mentioned uh, our, our campers going to camp this week. I would encourage you and ask you with sincerity to yes, Please pray for them while they're gone. This is a transformative time for both them and their counselors and the staff that are there. So uh, make, a, make a note of that with a sticky note, a post note, or put it in your phone to give you a reminder each and every day to lift up our young people who are going to summer camp this week. Can you, can you do that? Yeah, good, 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 good. I really, I really like the name of this series, Summer Playlist. And it's really not about a playlist as we might think of it musically. It's really more about uh, pastors here at Grace Point being given the opportunity to share one of their favorite messages from days gone by. And so that's what I'm doing today. But I want you to know that I do have four playlists on my Apple iPhone 4S. What are you laughing at? Come on now. It's an antique. I get it, but so am I. All right. Yeah, it works. It does what I need it to do. Most of the apps don't work anymore, but hey, it rings, it texts, it emails, and I can play my playlist. I got four of them on there. I've got songs from Louis Armstrong and the Beatles and the Eagles. I got me some Ronnie Millsap and Charlie Pride on there, huh? Yeah. And I've got victory in Jesus. It is well with my soul how great thou art. Blessed assurance, great is thy faithfulness. You know, it's been said that music is the lyrics of our life. These songs take me back to places and times that remind me, regardless of what I have been through or what I'm going through now, that remind me, especially the Christian songs that I listen to, of God's faithfulness. And they just take me back, and then they remind me in the present time that, 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 that God is Emmanuel, not just at Christmas time, that God is with me. So I, I, like, I like my playlist, and, and so many of those Christian songs in particular come out of, the lyrics are written out of, 
people who are going through remarkably difficult times. They're born pinned in adversity. They, 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 they rise up out of, out of catastrophic events. If you have a little time, I know what Google means. If you have a little time to Google, it is well with my soul. Look at the story behind that song. Oh my goodness. And so many of the songs that we sing have a story behind them pinned by amazing, remarkable people going through difficult times. I've known a lot of those people in my life, incredible, inspirational to me, remarkable people who have and are going through difficult circumstances. People like my friends Brian and Kay who are contending with cancer. Like my oldest son Robbie who preached the funeral service of his two-year-old boy. Like my friend Josh who lost his job and his career just months before he was eligible to retire. Remarkable, inspiring people who have and are fighting the good fight in faith and in life. You know, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8.31, he says, he says this, he asks this question, he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Well, Paul, if you ask Brian and Kay that question, if God is for us, who could be against us? They might answer cancer. That's who can be against us. If you ask Robbie that question, if God is for us, who can be against us? He, he would likely say death. That's who can be against us. If you were asked that question to Josh, he would very well say unemployment. That's who can be against us. And if you could go back in time, a long ways back, Paul, and ask Job that question, he would say, all of the above, and Satan. And Job might even say, God, that's who can be against us. Brian, and Kay, and Josh, and Robbie, and Job all have common ground. And that is that bad things happen to good, God-loving people. Bad, unexplainable, terrible, tragic things happen to good, God-loving people. 
none of them that I know personally, I don't know Job, I'm old, but I don't know Job. <laughs> none of them that I know of have ever accused God of wrongdoing because of the circumstances that they are going through. We all go through hard times in life. Statistically, I know that some of you are going through them right now. The remarkable story of Job this morning helps us, reminds us, gives us hope in the midst of those circumstances and, 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 and equips us, if you will, to persevere through those times, through our physical and emotional and spiritual pain that we encounter the Old Testament book of Job is quite possibly the oldest book in the Bible. It's about a man named Job who lived in the land of us, not Oz, not Kansas, lived in the land of us somewhere in the Middle East. Job was described, is described by God himself as upright and upstanding. Job is a man who loves God, who has walked with God. And God himself calls him blameless and upright. What a commendable compliment from the Lord our God. Job is blameless and upright and Job Job has it all. Job had a great family. Seven sons and three daughters for a time and an era where it was common for a man to have many wives. Job had one. Job had a great family. He would rise up, Scripture tells us, early in the morning to seek God on behalf of his children. Now, dads, moms too, that would be wise advice for us to practice. Job had wealth. Job had thousands of donkeys and camels and oxen and sheep. Thousands. He had wealth beyond measure. Job was secure in his finances. He not only had livestock, numerous, numerous livestock, he had hundreds of servants, hired, paid servants in his clan. Job had health. He had a great cholesterol level. He had a great blood pressure. Job had a clean bill of health. He had a great family. He had wealth. He had health. And Job had what most all of us would like to have. And, and we, and we kind of covet that among people that we are in circle with. He had respect. And he was esteemed. 
and he was admired in a loving way. Job is the guy you'd want living right next door to you. Job was loved and respected and admired by all who knew him. Now, I've been a Christian for 40 years now. I've been a pastor for 20 of those. I've been to Bible college. I've been mentored by wonderful, spiritually, I'll call them saints, people of God who who mentored me and taught me, prepared me and equipped me. I've had the privilege of, of, of teaching and preaching and doing all the preparation and study that goes along with that, and I have to be as transparent as I can possibly be with you now, there's a lot more about God and his word that I don't know than I do know. I have learned that it's okay. Took me a while to get there. I've learned that it's okay to say I don't know. In fact, I get asked questions or I ponder circumstances and events and I read in the scripture and I, and I wonder how in the world and I come back to more often than not, I don't know. There is a passage of scripture in Deuteronomy 29, 29 that says this. There are secrets the Lord God has not revealed to us. So when I am saying I don't know and I have all those questions that I'm not getting answered, I put them in my 2929 file. Huh? That puppy has grown exponentially in the last 40 years. And I think that when I get to the pearly gates, that I'm bringing this with me. And Jesus and I are going to have a come to Bob meeting. Huh? I got a lot I want to know about here. One that keeps showing up in there time and time again is why do bad things happen to good, God-loving people? I don't know why. Job is one of those mysterious books. I don't know why a man that God himself calls blameless and upright is caught in the middle of a cosmic battle between God and Satan. It blows my mind. I don't understand it. And I cannot explain it. It's one that's in this 2929 file. Life was good for Job. And then seemingly in the blink of an eye, it was not. I want you to 
find your Bibles this morning if you got your mobile device. I could pull it up on mine for you, but it'd take about 20 minutes. <laughs> find, find Job chapter 1. It's right before the Psalms. It'll be on the screen behind me. If you don't have your printed or mobile device with me, you can follow along with me in Job chapter 1 there. As we're going to read a little bit from Job chapter 1, I'm going to be in the New Revised Standard Version. We're going to take a short look at the life of Job, which kind of reflects how it is for us in life today. Sometimes life is like an EKG, isn't it? It's up and it's down. So, why don't you, if you would please, uh, stand for the reading of God's word this morning in honor and reverence of it. Follow along with me in whatever translation you might have. Again, I'm reading from the NRSV. This is the word of the Lord from Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. One day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the eldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell on them and carried them off and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The Chaldeans formed three columns, made a raid on the camels and carried them off and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came across the desert struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people. They are dead. I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshiped. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrongdoing. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So Murphy showed up. He showed up with his four cousins, busted, broke, beaten, and boiled. Murphy showed up, and they showed up one right after the other. Before one bad news message could be delivered, another one had come in. 
Job's business went bankrupt. When terrorists, those no good, dirty, rotten scoundrels, the Sabians and the Chaldeans, descendants of Nebuchadnezzar, showed up and plundered and pilfered and stole and killed all of his livestock and his servants. His IRA disintegrated when, when, when his sheep herds were fried by lightning bolts from heaven. His 10 children perished in an F5 tornado. His clean bill of health, it was obliterated by ugly oozing boils all over his body. His friends turned on him and his wife turned against him. Shocked, stunned, bewildered, discouraged, disbelief, heartbreak, heartache. In my playlist is a Hank Williams song, I'm so lonesome I could cry. I bet Job cried a lot. I bet Job cried a lot. In Job's culture, in his time, an expression of deep, gut-wrenching, stomach-turning-in-the-pit-of-your-intestines-grief, an expression of that was for a man to shave his head and tear his robe. When you saw that in someone like Job, you'd want to be someone who would go up to him and sit with him and give him a hug and pray for him. Job was in a bad, bad way, in a bad, bad place. Everything that he had going for him was gone, baby, gone. So what does Job do? takes out his 357 revolver and boom, right? No. Who would have blamed him if he had? But that's not Job's response. Instead, remarkably, astonishingly, he does this. He falls on the ground and worships. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Who does that? I mean, really, who does that? Job. Now, let's not sugarcoat this here. Job is hurting. Job is hurting really bad. Think, think about a time when you've hurt really bad, when you could feel the pain in the pit of your stomach. 
think about a time like that, maybe some of you are in a time like that right now. Where it hurts deep into your inner soul. Because maybe your retirement has disintegrated. Perhaps your career has failed. Perhaps your marriage has ended. Perhaps you're getting that phone call from the doctor instead of the nurse with the news that sometimes life is good and then it's not. So how, how in the midst of this kind of calamity, in the midst of these kinds of catastrophic tragedies, in the midst of deep, sorrowful grief, how in the midst of this are we to survive? How are we to carry on? How do we cope? Well, as crazy as it sounds, Job shows us the way, the antidote for pain is praise. In the midst of heavy-duty trouble, King David said, I have set the Lord continually before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. You see, God goes before us. God is beside us. God holds us in the strong grip of his firm right hand and he doesn't let us go no matter what we're going through. That describes Job's life of faith. That describes King David's life of faith. It describes that of the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter and Martin Luther and Martin Luther King, of John Wesley, of John Calvin, of Billy Graham and Mother Teresa, and Brian, and Kay, and Josh, and Robbie, and Brett, and Jacqueline, and Matt, and Jessica, people who've walked and are walking in faith in God who are going through life seemingly like this through that 
kind of inspiration and example as much as our heart hurts for them, especially them we know. And I imagine the names of people that you know are going through that or are passing by your mind right now. We draw inner strength to follow in the footsteps of Job and of them. who in the midst of difficult times fall face down on the ground and worship God and bless his name. Realizing truly that if God is for us, who can be against us? There is victory in Jesus. The antidote for pain is praise. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know, God does work in mysterious ways. One of the things that we learn from Job's life that applies to us is in these times that are so hard that we will go through or have gone through or are going through. When we turn to God and praise him in the midst of it, does this. He lifts up our souls. Job's faith in God in the midst of these trials was rewarded. James 5.11 tells us that we give great honor to those who endure suffering. For instance, you know about Job a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Our circumstances don't have the final say. you too will be rewarded for enduring hard times, for trusting God through them, and for worshiping God in them. So, church, let me ask you, are you feeling surrounded? Feel like the walls are closing in on you? This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded, but Lord, I'm surrounded by you. Are you doubting this morning? Praise him. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord. A peace that endureth 
thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Are you, are you feeling worried? Are you playing out all these what-if scenarios in your mind? Praise him. Raise a hallelujah. I raise a hallelujah. I'm going to watch the darkness flee. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. The antidote for pain, church, is praise. Praise reminds us that God is great. Praise reminds us that God is faithful. Praise reminds us that God is good. Praise reminds us that God is sovereign. Praise reminds us that God is loving and that God is for us and truly not against us. The evidence of that is most profoundly seen in Jesus Christ, his son. In the darkest of times, in the most difficult of circumstances, praise is the antidote for pain. Matt Redman, I got a few of his songs in my playlist. He writes, on September 15, 2001, we flew into LA for the start of a sabbatical break. Four days earlier, We'd watched the nation-shaking events of 9-11. Over the next few days, the full effect of the terrorist attacks began to unfold before us. Brokenness was everywhere. During this time, we had the privilege of visiting many different congregations. And virtually everywhere we went, Pastors delivered biblical and powerful sermons speaking into the pain of our people, reminding them of his strength and his sovereignty. And it was out of that terrible 9-11 tragedy that Matt Redman pinned the words to his song, Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Church, when life happens, when life gets hard, when things take a sudden turn and knock you off your heels, when the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, still I will say, blessed be your name. Would you please stand and sing with your hearts that beautiful, beautiful song to the Lord this morning.